Well, it's a big week for central banks. Most are expected to raise rates again for the FOMC. Wage prices are holding up. Consumer inflation expectations are high. Construction is booming. The ECB, well, the economy is slowing and inflation is coming down, but not all over Europe. But one central bank closer to home will be on hold, we think. And lots of data to digest from Friday as well. It is Monday, the 1st of May, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks ended the week on a high note. The Dow and the S&P up 0.8% on Friday. The Nasdaq was up 0.7%. Over the week, the Nasdaq gained 1.3%. But that, of course, doesn't tell the whole story because we had that big dip in the middle. And it staged a 3.6% recovery in the second half of the week. A different story in Europe where the FTSE 100 gained half a percent on Friday. But even with that, still down half percent on the week. And the DAX gained 0.8% on Friday, which was enough to see it up on the week, but only by a quarter percent. Uh, The ASX 200, by comparison, was down almost 0.3% last week. The US dollar rose a little on Friday, down ever so slightly over the week, but we're not talking about big moves. The Aussie dollar lost a quarter percent on Friday and was 1.2% down over the week, finishing at 66.15 US cents. The pound was one of the strongest currencies on Friday, more than half percent up on Friday and 1.1% up on the week. By comparison, the euro just 0.3% up on the week last week. So if you think the pound is up because of rising gilt yields, well, two and 10-year gilt yields finished the week more or less where they started. But yields were heading down on Friday, uh, down 15 basis points for German bunds, for example, for 10 years, down 10 for 10-year treasuries. Aussie 10 years finished the week at 3.33% and about six basis points lower on futures since then. And oil was picking up again at the end of the week. Brent and WTI both up 2.7% on Friday. So, uh, yeah, lots of data last week and lots to come this week. The, I guess one of those most important pieces of data was the US Employment Cost Index. Rodrigo Cotrill joins me from uh, from NAB in Sydney to talk about that and everything else. So that uh, cost index showed the three-month average seasonally adjusted for the March quarter is up 1.5% if you include benefits, wage benefits. So that's from 1% growth Q on Q in the December quarter. So that is going up. I mean, I know there's many ways of looking at this data and many numbers you can choose to help your argument. But whichever way, whichever one you choose, you cannot argue that uh, wages are coming down, basically, can you, in the United States? Yes, uh, morning, Phil. And, uh, and even to, to add a bit more to that, um, um, the, the fact that they're, they're not coming down, it's kind of placed this view that, you know, that core services uh, drive of inflation is also likely to, to remain sticky. Uh, and even when you look at the details of the, um, of, of the data release, uh, the all-important private sector wages, ex-incentives, also came in at a punchy 1.3, so even higher than the headline. Mm. So, um, so that plays to the view that this idea that we will see, you know, wages growth uh, ease up, which will play into declining inflation, uh, it's it's not actually happening as quickly as expected, um, and and certainly it put, poses a challenge to to the FOMC or the Fed thinking ahead. And this is presumably why we saw the US dollar getting a bit of a boost on Friday. Well, there, there was a lot of moving parts. I mean, one of the things was, as, as you mentioned, that decline in yields, um, which um, the, the European story, which we'll touch on in a sec, uh, played, a, played, played a big part on that too. So yields moving down mm. restrained the ability of the US dollar to, to go up to some extent. Um, and, and then, of course, there's also the details in the PC deflator as well. Yeah, well, that... Uh, was expected to fall from 4.7% down to 4.5%. 
Uh, it did fall, but just to four point six percent. So uh, you know, so it, uh, well down from the you know plus five percent that we were seeing last year, of course. But it has been stuck around four point six percent since December. So another thing that's just not moving down. Not moving down, and and when you look at the all important core PCE deflator. Um, whilst the mm. monthly March reading was in line, uh, we did have upper revisions to January and February. So uh, when you put it all together, the annualized rates, uh, the PCE is now 4.9 compared to 4.7, which where the market was thinking it will come through. So again, that core PCE reading also a bit stronger than expected. Um, saying that there was one sort of positive news, if you like, for, for the Fed. Um, if you recall, Fed Chair Powell has been talking about that important core services ex-housing uh, reading. Uh, and that one did actually come uh, a little bit lower in March at 0.24, um, which uh, I think was the lowest reading since uh, last July. So the the core core reading, if you like, of the PCE was a little bit softer. So that's that's encouraging. But overall, our sense is that when you look at the the the, the the overall data release from PC to the ECI, um, it just basically confirms the view that the, the, the FMC is very much likely to, to hike this week. And if anything, uh, you could argue that there's a risk there that they will still sound uh, quite hawkish in terms of guidance for, for the months ahead. Not a half percent hike, though. I mean, we're still expecting it to be around 25 no, basis. No, I think uh, 0.25 is, is where the market thinks it's, it's, going, to, it's going to happen. Right, and we're back where we were, aren't we, as well? In fact, even higher in terms of uh, consumer inflation expectations. We discovered on Friday, I mean, they took a bit of a dent, didn't we, because of the banking crisis, but back up with the, the 12-month expectations. Yes, the final read of the April University of Michigan survey, and again, the one-year ahead inflation expectations remain at that high of 4.6%. Uh, it was 3.6 uh, previously, uh, and the five five year ahead uh, um, also increased to 3% from 29 So again, sticky and elevated levels of inflation expectations. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's so many numbers on Friday. When we had personal spending as well, <laughs> month on month in March is down. Personal income is up 0.3%. So, uh, you know, potential for a bit more delayed spending. Well, that, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. If, you know, people aren't spending everything they're getting. So there's, you know, perhaps. But there's an, an interesting story in the Wall Street Journal today about how the building boom is prolonging the market pain in the United States, how construction employment is at the highest level. Part of it is the government's doing because government expenditure on infrastructure is so high, but also uh, they're playing catch up on apartment building since the pandemic because everything was so expensive. Now prices have come down a bit for the parts, so they're playing catch up on on the buildings of apartments. So the construction sector is booming there. Yeah. So that's not going to help. Well, it just paints the picture that the slowdown may not happen as quickly as as many expect. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's look at somewhere where there is a bit of a slowdown, uh, including in inflation as well. So Germany, the headline rate has gone from 7.4% annually down to 7.2%. That's in one month uh, with the, uh, you know, it's gone down as well in, in other parts, but then of Europe, like Ireland, for example, as well. But then France has gone up from 5.7% to 5.9%. So a mixed picture in Europe, it's fair to say. Fair to say, but I think that the major takeaway there was the softer than expected uh, inflation report in Germany, GDP. as well as the, the yeah. softer than expected uh, GDP reading. Um, so overall, um, there's an economy there that has not performed as as well as had been been expected at the beginning of the year. 
Um, the best thing you can say, of course, that 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 recession has been avoided. It wasn't a negative GDP print, uh, but certainly um, not as buoyant as, as some had expected. Uh, but it's saying that you know when you look except at the leading in, except in Italy and Spain, half percent up, half percent growth for Italy yes. and Spain. So again, you know, it's not a European wide story, is it? It isn't. It isn't. Uh, but overall, in terms of when you see how the price action of the big rally in in, in bonds. I think that the German data was the one that carried the day in that sense uh, and, and, and played into that move low in yields. Uh, but but overall, uh, it's still a picture where, um, you know, we should still expect the ECB to be hiking this this week uh, by 25 basis point. Um, but there was some sort of market expectations and maybe 50 was going to be a consideration. And I think now that, that That's now the, the data sort of cements the idea for 25, which has been the, the NAP view. Um, and at the same time, when you look at leading indicators, it is still the case that uh, Europe looks a lot more buoyant today in terms of looking ahead compared to those headwinds that uh, the U.S. is facing. Right, but the, the fact that we are seeing uh, European yields uh, down, that was your point about why we saw the U.S. dollar rising so much at the end of the week. Yes, and the other one, of course, was the, the big move, uh, move lower in the yen following the BOJ decision as well. Well, come on, what a nice segue. So let's talk, let's talk <laughs> about that. Uh, because, you know, no change in interest rates from the Bank of Japan, but the new governor, Kazuo Ueda, is uh, to conduct a review on policy decisions. You might think that's good news. The bad news is it's going to take 18 months. Uh, so what does that mean in the meantime then while we're waiting for that? Does that does that mean we've got 18 months of yield curve control all the way? Uh, I mean, they had their, their Tokyo inflation numbers out on Friday showing that, uh, you know, again, another new 40-year high. Yeah, so the, um, the the whole announcement from the Bank of Japan um, created a lot of confusion. Uh, for one, you, as you mentioned, there was that uh, policy review which... Uh, it's, it's going to take a long time. Uh, and at the same time, also the bank also changes forward guidance on future interest rate levels. Um, so um, many sort of try to interpret well, what, what does that mean? You know, does it mean that uh, um, now the, the, the bank is opening the door to maybe changing policy at least uh, or at least tweaking some of the policies? Um, you know, uh, I had a look at this because it was really, I was quite intrigued about it. And the reality is that the previous guidance, which has been in place since 2019, uh, talked about this idea that the bank, of course, is ready to lower interest rates to support the economy. Um, and in fact, you know, when the uh, pandemic came along, uh, the Bank of Japan didn't lower interest rates. Um, and then at the same time, it also widened uh, the YCC band uh, more than once. I think it was three times. So the previous guidance didn't really help or didn't have any impact in terms of policy decisions. Um, and that's why I, I think we, we need to treat this new guidance uh, with some, um, you know, uh, careful consideration um, and at the same time ultimately as you say um, there's other dynamics that will play a big factor in terms of whether we see a change in the yield curve control policy which is the big debate in in the in, in markets for for this year um, uh, on the one hand we've seen yields core yields lower so the pressure on, on yield curve control is not there uh, but uh, as you mentioned inflation in Japan continues to rise and we've seen that core reading coming from Tokyo rising and beating its expectations by, by some number uh, on Friday, which paints the view that we should be expecting higher national readings uh, um, 
at least next month or this month and um, and potentially for, for, uh, for several more months. So that will put pressure on the currency as well. So overall, our sense is that um, the bank is still has ability and, and re- it leaves the door open to to do some tweaks, particularly to yield curve control uh, this year. Uh, but certainly the tone uh, was a little bit more dovish and, and any changes to policy are likely to be more gradual than previously thought. Right, so what about China then? So we had surprise numbers really over the weekend, wouldn't they? So services still doing okay in China, uh, but the manufacturing PMI down to 49.2, so back into contraction. Yeah, so um, and if, so to put into context as well, one of the things that's been happening is uh, in recent t- weeks is that we've seen equities in China not performing very well. We've also seen CNY uh, going uh, or uh, weakening, notwithstanding the fact that we had this very strong Q1 GDP reading. Um, one of the issues had been that there was concern that uh, there was potentially a, a loss of momentum in, in terms of this rebound that we've seen in Chinese equities or, or rather Chinese uh, activity. Uh, and certainly those PMIs over the weekends have confirmed that. Um, not only um, the manufacturing going into contraction, but also the services one or the non-manufacturing reading uh, printing lower than expected. So overall, uh, there's that sense of, well, uh, what is the government or what are policymakers going to do? And, and the encouraging thing is that uh, the Politburo had that meeting that co- concluded on Friday and, and they released a pretty solid statement saying that they remain very, very much committed to um, to their recovery uh, with forceful, I think it was the term that they used, fiscal and monetary support, as well as uh, investment from, from from the government. So I think that that's the positive news as well, that whilst there are some signs of easing, we've got to remember that PVC has the ability and room, if you like, to, to support the economy, given that inflation is not a concern in China. Uh, and now we know that the government is also very much committed to supporting that, that momentum. So mm. uh, yes, there has been a slowdown, uh, but also uh, remember the government will continue to support the economy too. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, how every, every every part of the world is in a completely different situation at the moment, including in Australia, of course, where, you know, ahead of the RBA tomorrow, uh, you know, let's talk about what to, we can talk more, I guess, tomorrow about what we can expect tomorrow, but briefly today, perhaps. Uh, but the numbers we saw on Friday, no big moves for housing credit, producer prices, private sector credit growth, uh, which has been down uh, a fair bit, of course. So how does it, does any of that play into the into the commentary for tomorrow morning? I mean, we're, we're pretty much certain there's going to they're going to Things are going to be on hold, aren't we? Yes, I think that uh, it's a good bet to suggest the RBA will be on hold tomorrow. The data from Friday, I don't ha- don't think it's going to have much of an impact on, on the decision. Um, I think the other important thing will be the guidance or the details that we have in the statement. We've got to remember that we're going to get new forecast on Friday. Um, and usually on that statement on Tuesday, you get a little bit of color around what those new numbers look like. And, and there will be a lot of focus around those inflation numbers and what the profile looks like relative to, to the numbers that we had from February. Right. Now, uh, US ISM manufacturing, of course, there's loads of earnings out this week as well, of course, but US ISM manufacturing numbers are out, which will be uh, the last big number before the FOMC this week. We also, apart from the RBA, we've also got the ECB as well. Uh, it's a busy week ahead. Very busy week ahead, and and then non-fund perils at the end of the week as well. Yeah, so, certainly just a lots, bit too late. Lots, lots happening. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and we'll yeah. So we'll uh, we'll take you through it all on uh, on the morning call. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you soon. Cheers, Phil. We'll talk more about the RBA, of course, tomorrow morning ahead of the meeting. Uh, but that's it for now. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. And welcome to May, by the way. See you tomorrow morning. <laughs>